Hello, I'm Dr Karen Horridge. I'm a disability paediatrician in South Tyneside and Sunderland in the northeast of England. I'm going to spend a few moments talking about a paper that has just been published in Developmental Medicine and Child Neurology by myself and the multidisciplinary team, which included my uh, colleagues Rory Tinker, uh, Dr Carl Harvey, Mr. Gavin DeKivitt from Orthopaedics, Sam Rowe, who's a medical student at the time, and also Lorna Fraser, our colleague who's a paediatric epidemiologist in, um, in York. So I'd like to spend a few moments explaining what the study was about and why we think it was important. So the aim of our study was to ascertain if the Magnetic Resonance Imaging Classification System, or MRICS, categorization of findings on MRI scan was associated in any way that was helpful with the burden of acute emergency hospital admissions amongst children with cerebral palsies. So our study included 312 children and young people with cerebral palsies who were born between the years 1987 and 2016 in the Sunderland area of North East England. This is one of the 20% most deprived areas in England and it has a relatively stable population, people don't tend to move in or out of the area very much, of around 350,000 people. So in order to understand the categorisation, we need to understand a little bit about what the Magnetic Resonance Imaging Classification System is. This is something that was developed by colleagues um, from the Surveillance of Cerebral Palsies in Europe, led by Kate Himmelman from Sweden, and I was uh, privileged to be part of this group. This was published in 2017, again in Developmental Medicine and Child Neurology. So this system was developed primarily for use in population cerebral palsy registers to understand the patterns of changes that are seen on MRI brain scans amongst children with cerebral palsies. So under this scheme, categorization A covers maldevelopments. That's when the brain is developed differently to expect it. Category A1 includes disorders of cortical malformation. The cortex is the outer layer uh, of the brain and A2 are other types of maldevelopments. Category B includes all white matter injuries. The white matter is the inner matter, the greys on the outside of it um, uh, that forms the centre of the brain where a lot of the pathways and junctions and links go on. So B1 describes classical periventricular leukomalacia. This is where there is uh, scarring and changes to the very innermost layer of the white matter that's adjacent to the fluid-filled ventricles. And this is classically seen in babies born very prematurely. B2 is an extension of that and talks about the sequelae of intraventricular hemorrhage. That's where there's been bleeding into the fluid-filled spaces of the brain or periventricular hemorrhagic infarction. That's where there's been hemorrhagic damage, bleeding and damage to the area around the fluid-filled spaces. 
the most extensive white matter injury of all is B3, which is a combination of that periventricular leukomalacia and intraventricular hemorrhage sequelae. So this is really very extensive damage to the white matter. Category C under the MRIX is predominantly grey matter injury. So the grey matter is the cortex that surrounds the white matter of the brain. C1 is describing damage specifically to the basal ganglia and thalamus, which are the movement control centres in the brain. C2, subcortical or cortical lesions or lesions in the watershed area. That's uh, in the area of overlap between two supplying uh, blood vessels. C3 covers focal arterial infarctions, such as middle cerebral artery infarction. So that's where a specific area of the brain covered by a specific artery um, has been injured. Category D is miscellaneous, where findings don't fit into any of the above groups. And category E is normal. So I've spent a bit of time explaining this so that we can understand a little bit more about what our study showed. So very importantly for families, our study showed that 30% of children with cerebral palsy overall and nearly 40% of those who can move around without the need for equipment at gross motor function classification system levels one to three required no acute emergency hospital admissions at all. It's really important information for this group of families. What we did find is that MRIX category B1, that very focal periventricular leukomalacia in children with cerebral palsies at gross motor function classification system levels one to three, that's those who can move around without the need for equipment, seem to lessen the risk of acute hospital admissions. So that's the classic X-PREM who's got those findings of PVL or periventricular leukomalacia on the MRI, often with their lower limbs affected by their cerebral palsy more than their upper limbs. That group seemed to be at the lowest risk of um, uh, burden of hospital admissions. However, there are other findings that seem to be much more strongly associated with a higher number of acute emergency hospital admissions. And those included A1, which are those um, uh, 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 malformations of uh, the brain where it, the brain is developed from very early on in gestation along different lines. B3, which we remember is the most extensive white matter injury that stretches right from the periventricular uh, area right through uh, the white matter and quite extensive uh, injury. C1 was where we have focal damage to the basal ganglia, the movement control centres, and that's often associated with hypoxic ischemic encephalopathy in the term uh, infant. So these categories of findings were associated with significantly higher numbers of hospital admissions and higher numbers of inpatient days. When we think a little bit more about the group with the finding B3, that very extensive white matter uh, injury, we found that this may well be a predictive factor for premature death amongst children with cerebral palsies. And this is particularly the case for those children who over the age of five are frequent attenders with frequent admissions to hospital with respiratory infections. So why does this matter for families? 
for families at the beginning of their journey with their child with cerebral palsy want to know what to expect for the future. And to inform those discussions, we have tools such as the Gross Motor Function Classification System level, which has been around for well over 20 years now, uh, but is uh, yet to be embedded in practice everywhere. The motor curves associated with the GMFCS can help families understand what to expect when they ask the question, will my child walk? We believe that our study adds important information for clinicians who are thinking about discussions with families early on in their journeys about what to expect for the future in terms of potential future burden of hospital admissions or even potential risk of uh, premature death. These things really, really matter so that families can be intimately involved in co-planning and co-decision-making at every single stage to make sure that interventions are appropriate and that the healthcare is the best that it can be with the best possible outcome opportunities. We hope you'll have a look at our paper and thanks very much for listening.